Now we've been uh, going through the, as we're saying, through the book of 1 Peter. And the last couple of weeks we got into this stuff about submission. Such a dirty word these days. It's a, just a word you, you're really not allowed to use um, in, the, in our modern society. And uh, so in the last couple of weeks we've been asked to submit to the governing authorities and last week uh, slaves submitting to their masters or, or, or it could possibly be just those who are employed by someone submitting to their boss. And, uh, and this week we're on to wives submitting to their husbands, probably the, uh, the most controversial of all of them as far as um, modern society is concerned. But really the whole thing about submission is... Uh, uh, is, is only secondary to these readings. It's not actually what it's about. What it's about is bringing others to Christ. Uh, the whole purpose of our submission to the authorities or to our, to our bosses or to our husband is to model a life that is changed by God and therefore bring others to want that as well. That's what it's really all about. But nonetheless... Uh, the word submit is used three times here um, for various things and, and most of the world, at the, the Western world at the moment considers that a no-go zone and it's just outrageous, you can't say that. You can't say that I have to submit to anyone. So I do also feel a, a bit of a need to, to uh, preface this talk with a, an apology to any women here who may have been uh, abused by men who've misused these verses, um, because there's plenty of that around. We all know that. But, you know, a bad husband is a bad husband, and that shouldn't distract us from what God, ha God is saying to us through his word. Uh, I mean, evil people, uh, godless people, love to quote these verses out of context, to uh, demean not only Christian men, but to demean the word of God. Uh, for instance, you'll, you'll hear people say, well, the Bible says wives submit to your husband, which it does. Uh, but the first rule of any person who is, who is attacking the Bible is to not let your listeners know what the Bible actually says. They, they rightly assume that most people have no idea, and so it's quite easy to just quote it out of context and... And, uh, and people will lap it up. So uh, you say wives, you know, the Bible says wives submit to your husbands without telling them what is around it. First of all, in this particular uh, instance, there's those four words between wives and submit. It's uh, wives in the same way submit to your husband. So the same as what? Well, that goes back to, to what we had last week in, in verse uh, 21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So that's the kind of submission that, in this passage, that wives are called to, which is... Uh, was, was pretty hard. 
because Jesus was, as we know, he was insulted, beaten and crucified and he, he could have retaliated. He could have called on legions of angels to save him, to come and help him, but he didn't. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Verse 23. I mean, Jesus knew that any suffering, any troubles, uh, even his death was only going to be temporary. It's a light and momentary troubles, the Apostle Paul called it. You know, being beaten up and crucified doesn't seem like light and momentary troubles. But in the context of how Paul said that, he's comparing it to eternity. And compared to eternity, any trouble is light and momentary. So Peter asked the women he was writing to to have the same attitude as Jesus, who was willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And Peter is saying that the patient, loving wife is a great example and can have a powerful effect on her unbelieving husband. That's the goal of her godly behaviour. That's what it's for. It's not to, to, to make herself feel better about herself or anything. It's to bring others to Christ. It's the same as Peter's, Peter urging us to submit to the authorities. That was the purpose of that also, so that others can see our changed lives and how we are not lawbreakers, how we submit to the authority, and they will not be able to malign the gospel. And last week too, slaves, submit to your masters. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And that's the, that's the thing that's behind all, these, all this submission is to, is to win as many as possible for Christ. In fact, all of these submissions, the governments, the masters, to husbands, as I said, it's not really about that. But why do we make such a big thing about this submitting anyway? I mean, why is it such a, such a dirty word these days? I mean, it's everywhere. You, you lot now, you probably don't know, but you're all submitting to me. You're not yelling abuse or throwing tomatoes at me or something. You're sitting there quietly and listening. You're submitting to me. We, here in this council chamber, uh, we're submitting to the council. We're doing what they tell us to do. They tell us not to break the furniture or use. Don't you can use this, but don't use that. We are submitting to them. Everywhere we go, we submit to the government authorities. We submit to the police. We we uh, we obey the speed limit. We obey the law. That's submission. There's nothing wrong with submission. All right. What about though the abusive husband? Because this. Like there's an equivalent passage in Ephesians where Paul says, ask wives to submit to their husbands. But in that one, he is writing to Christian wives with Christian husbands because then he goes on to say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But this one's different because he's writing to Christian women who may not have a, a Christian husband. Um, what do we do about the abusive husband, one who hates hates Christians, is just mad at God 
and therefore takes it out on his wife. Um, we'd really like Peter to have given us a way out here and said, wives, submit to your husbands unless he starts beating you up or something. You know, it would have been nice if he'd said something like that. But he didn't. So what can we say? Well, I think it's important to note that, that this is an instruction given to wives, not to husbands. There's, there's no hint of him saying something like, um, husbands, make your wives submit. But there's nothing like that. It's, it's an instruction giving, given to women. And ultimately, it will be up to the wife to decide how far to go in submitting to her husband. And I think the example I used last time when we were talking about submitting to authorities, the example of Daniel, who submitted completely to King Darius, did everything he wanted, did everything he possibly could to help Darius, to make Darius's kingship great, until it came to the point where he was asked to, uh, to pr actually treat Darius as if he was God, and that was a line too far. So I reckon that that is probably a good thing to bear in mind uh, with a wife, with a, an abusive husband. Because Darius also was a pagan. A line was drawn and it was a line too far. And I think a man who is physically or emotionally abusive to his wife fits that category. Comes into the same sort of thing and is not at all what Peter had in mind. Um, you know, given the, the previous bit about submitting to authorities, a wife would be breaking God's law to encourage her husband to also break the law. And by abusing his wife, he is breaking the law. So there is that, that tension also between a wife obeying God's law and, and obeying the, the government law and submitting to her husband. Of course, God's law is going to have to come first. I mean, no, no one, no one, man or woman, should lightly walk away from a marriage. Um, but when I was talking about this with John and Matt after church last week, they, they were both very, as pastors of this church, they were both very keen that I emphasise to you that, that any woman who's, who is being abused, this church will do everything they can to help her, including supporting her if she wants to leave her husband. We, we need to make that very clear. So that's a, that's a promise from this church. We will do everything we can to help. John sent me a, a quote from John Bunyan, the great 17th century preacher who spent he did a lot of his preaching from jail because he was preaching without a licence and so he was put in jail. And he pointed out that a lot of the great heroes of the Bible, they sometimes ran away and sometimes they stood their ground. Moses ran away, fled from Pharaoh after he killed the Egyptian. But then he stood his ground later on when, he, when God sent him to confront Pharaoh. David ran away from Saul when Saul tried to kill him. But then when David had the opportunity to kill Saul, he stood his ground and told Saul where he was wrong. Jeremiah left Jerusalem. He ran away when the Babylonians were threatening to invade it. 
and he incurred the wrath of his, of his king. But then later, Jeremiah stood his ground and told the king he had to surrender. And Jesus himself often withdrew from crowds, and several times we're told he escaped from those trying to kill him. But he stood his ground when he was arrested, and he came before Pilate. Paul ran away from Damascus when King Aretas tried to arrest him, but he stood his ground when he went back to Jerusalem. Well, I think it's appropriate if we have a look at, at what Christian marriage actually is. Um, because according to the New Testament, it is a visible representation of the relationship between Christ and his church. It's the, it's the union of Christ and his church in the same way uh, a man and a woman uh, are, are joined together. And so a Christian marriage that is abusive is actually telling a lie about God. Because if, if an abusive marriage is supposed to be modelling Jesus' relationship with the church, then it is telling a lie. However... Against what the world says, a Christian marriage involves different roles for men and women. As Christ is the head of his church, so the husband is the head of his wife. The husband submits to Jesus as his head. And this is very important because too many, uh, too many men behave as if they are the ultimate authority. They are not. Jesus is the king. And his word tells us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. He died in her place. That is real love. And it is the gold standard for husband. And his wife is called to submit to her husband. But what does that mean? And what, what does it not mean? And I'm indebted to, to John Piper here for uh, a sermon on this topic where, where he discussed this. First of all, the things it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you must agree with your husband. It's obvious that it doesn't mean that because Peter is writing here to Christian wives with pagan husbands. They, they disagree on this most fundamental of things. Secondly, it doesn't mean that she should avoid any effort to change him. Quite the contrary. That is the whole purpose. In fact, this seems to be the female equivalent of husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. It seems to be saying wives love your husbands as Christ loved the church. Be prepared to suffer for him, to bring him to Christ. So wives should be trying to change their husband. To help him become a Christian. Not by telling him he's a complete nincompoop, which he may well be, but by the testimony of their own pure lives, their changed lives, the purity and reverence of their lives. In verse 2. It's also not saying to put their husbands before Christ. And this is almost certain, certainly going to create conflict in a marriage where 
the wife is a Christian and the husband isn't. But Christ must come first, for he is king. So anything that her husband is asking her to do, which is against the word of God, she simply cannot do it. The wife must draw a line and say, Honey, I love you and I respect you, but I, I am not going to do what God has told me not to do. It's also not saying to act out of fear of her husband in verse 7. Remember Jesus' words, do not fear those who can kill the body but afterwards can do nothing else, but rather fear him who after he has killed the body has the power to cast into hell. A Christian woman hopes in God, verse 5, and so does not fear because God is in charge. He is king. Well, what it does mean, though, as far as submitting, is that, I mean, this is assuming that he is not a, not a violent or abusive husband because we, we have to remember this, Peter, Peter wrote to people of Jewish background and the Jewish tradition is very strongly one of not, uh, 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 of obeying God's law and God's law would certainly, would certainly rules out any violence against another person unless that person is a lawbreaker. Um, just read Leviticus 19. So Peter is saying that a wife should honour and affirm her husband's headship and help him with that. A Christian wife should be filled with joy when her husband gives godly leadership. When he listens to his wife and gets her advice, and they pray for God's help and guidance in all things. And if they're making some difficult decision where they just simply cannot agree, then the wife will say, I want you to be the head of this house, and so I'll support you in this decision. I mean, even if she thinks she's wrong, uh, she's, I mean, even if she thinks she's right and he's wrong, which he may well be, So then we get on to what, what makes a wife beautiful, verse 3 and 4. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braiding hair, wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Please note that this is not saying that you should turn up to church looking like you just got out of bed. That's also fine. <laughs> That's all right, yeah. It's just saying that you should that your appearance should not be what makes you beautiful. Um, it's not what's on the outside. It's what it's the it's the, the the outward signs of a renewed heart. That's what makes you beautiful. The same with men. So, you know, comb, comb your hair, do what you like to it, wear the clothes you like. I mean, obviously, Peter is not saying that you should wear no clothes here. Um, we, we, can, we can sort of assume that. So, you know, you have to wear something. So, you know, wear clothes that you like, but don't, just don't think that that's going to make you beautiful. 
Don't spend undue time and money on it. Instead, we're told to be like Sarah, Abraham's wife. It, I mean, it wasn't like Sarah was really a hugely great example of trusting in God. I mean, she had kind of given up on the whole idea of having a baby, which is not really surprising, given that she was getting on a bit. And because she gave her her slave girl, Hagar, to Abraham, because she'd given up. She wasn't completely trusting God. And she laughed at the whole idea of her, her having a son at 90 years old, as you would. But Peter holds her up as an example because she submitted to Abraham. You know, uh, her giving... Um, giving her Hagar to Abraham. It's still causing problems for Israel now, isn't it? The descendants of, of Ishmael, they're all, uh, they're all the enemies of, of Israel now. Well, what about husband? Verse 7. We note that of the seven verses we read today, six of them are directed at wives and one at husband. But I think that's a, that's a good reason for that. Um, Peter was, as he says, he's writing to women who are Christians with husbands who aren't. And in that culture and that time, a woman who became a Christian was in a fair bit of trouble because her husband was unlikely to, to agree with her. Whereas the men who became Christians, generally speaking, their whole family came with them. We see the example of the jailer in, in Acts where his, his entire family became Christians because he did. And the funny thing is, that's still the same today, isn't it? It's still pretty hard for a Christian wife with an unbelieving husband. Remember that Peter's reason for, for writing all about this submission is, is to, to urge us to live lives that will bring others to Christ. You know, so that people will say, hey, I can see that you've changed. I can see there's something different about you. Why is that? And it kind of leads up to next week when we come to verse 15 where it says, always be prepared to give a reason <coughs> for the hope that you have in you. So I think the reason that that's, that's the reason that Peter spends more time talking to wives than husbands is just because of the nature of the society that they lived in, and the nature of the society that we lived in. We live in, but nonetheless, Peter says in in verse seven in the same way. There's that phrase again in the same way. So he's calling, you know, he really he's calling, <coughs> calling husbands to live the same way that Jesus did also, to be prepared to suffer for their wives. He's calling on us to submit to our wives, not in the same way as the husband is still the head, but he is to be considerate, is the word that the NIV uses. He is to consider her in everything, in everything he does. How can I love her? How can I help her? How can I teach her? How can I nourish her in the things of God? Peter calls her the weaker partner, simply meaning that it's usually the husband who's called on to open the jam jar. 
It doesn't mean weaker in mind or faith. After all, she is an heiress. And her husband is an heir of the gracious gift of life. In this they are exactly equal. In salvation there is no slave or free, man or male or female, Jew or Gentile, Galatians. So Peter tells husbands to, to treat their wives with respect because they are daughters of the king. And finally, so that nothing will hinder your prayers is how he finishes off. A husband who mistreats his wife or, uh, and abuses his God-given leadership in the family for his own purposes, he'll find that when he prays, if he prays, that the doors of heaven are shut. Such a man should not expect to receive anything from the hand of God except wrath and judgment. After all, he has dared to harm one of God's daughters, a daughter for whom Jesus died. So, the whole object of all this submission, as I keep saying, is that we will bring others to Christ. We are to live lives that are different to others. We are to submit to the authorities, to our bosses, wives to husbands, husbands to wives, with the whole object of promoting the gospel and bringing others to Christ. Amen.